Hey, and welcome to Part-Time Struggle. My name is Matthew Charlton, and in today's episode, we'll be talking about a midlife crisis. Am I going through a midlife crisis? What is a midlife crisis? Uh, to answer that question, I have invited a special guest on, and special guest, will you please introduce yourself? <laughs> hey, I'm Miranda Charlton. I'm Matthew's wife. Thank you for joining me today. Uh, what kind of led to this topic is that when I first started Part-Time Struggle, or even when I had the idea of Part-Time Struggle, I was pitching it to you. I was saying, hey, I got this idea for this thing. When that was first going on, what were, what were your thoughts? What, what were you thinking when I said, I'm, a, I'm thinking about doing this podcast thing? Um, well, I like that you are trying to think of a way to help people who are going through other struggles. I guess I had some concerns at first about what this would entail, um, but mostly I guess I had really positive thoughts about, you know, you going out and helping people and more importantly, just that people would have a safe place to go and talk about their mental health. Yeah. So it wasn't, you, you weren't thinking like, oh no, what's, what's going on? What's going on in his world right now? Um, I would have... If it would have just kind of come out of the blue a few years ago when we were in kind of the height of some of your issues, mm -hmm. I think that I would have been like, what in the world is happening? But this has been kind of a progressive thing of you um, trying to do better for yourself and really trying to search for answers. Mm -hmm. And I think that, um, I don't know, it wasn't as much of an out of the blue surprise to hear that you wanted to do something to reach out to people um, going through the same things. Okay. Well, th that's, that's good. I'm, I'm glad that, to hear that from you, that, that you didn't immediately default to a negative, which right. I tend to do sometimes because of my anxiety, I'll default to a negative, but you, you, you're way more optimistic than me. And I think that's, I need, I need that in my life from you, your optimism, um, where I'm somewhat more pessimistic, you are optimistic. So I appreciate that. So what are your current thoughts right now? Being on this, this is your first podcast yeah. ever, right? I don't love having a microphone in my face, <laughs> if I'm being honest, but um, I'm glad to come um, anyway, just answer some questions and mm -hmm. whatnot, but I yeah. don't love it for myself. I yeah. wouldn't do this. It's a little intimidating at first. Um, you don't know what to say. There's a microphone in your face, but what I always have to remind myself is, A, it's not live. B, I can always edit out anything. Um, so what people are hearing right now, it may or may not be edited. Who knows? <laughs> um so that's what, and I got to constantly remind myself that ums are okay, pauses are okay, because I can edit it all out. It's, mm -hmm. it's the magic editing tool called Audacity that is free to use for anyone out there. <laughs> <laughs> um, so um, what kind of led me to this, 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 we'll call it a journey of podcasting is I, I finally was just it. I finally accepted that I was just a normal dude, just an average guy, and that was okay. It took me a long time to, like, come to that conclusion. I think I've talked about this on previous podcasts where um, I always wanted to be go above and beyond or be this or that, something I wasn't necessarily – something I wasn't. And, and it took me a while to finally realize, okay, I'm just an average dude in an average – life and that's okay content is fine i used to look at the word content and average as a negative but i don't anymore and that's kind of changed my outlook on life like i it makes life easier when i'm not constantly trying to one-up myself or one-up someone else or do this or that it just took all the pressure off myself 
and and that's been very helpful and and i want to express that the other to others as well that if you're living like i used to live putting all this pressure on yourself to do this or that to not be yourself stop it's not worth it be yourself um uh, be happy with who you are be content in life content is not a bad word it's it's actually a really good word yeah just enjoy the moment enjoy the moment yeah and another part of what has led me to to this is i and this is going to sound kind of silly is I finally accepted that I'm adult and I was ready to let go of my youth. And it took me damn near 36, 37, 38 years to finally go, okay, I'm not a kid anymore. I'm starting to see some gray in my beard, starting to see some gray in my hair. I got, I got a bunion on my foot. Oh, <laughs> yes, you do. Um, I'm starting to get aches and pains like an older person. And really when I say I'm, I was ready to let go of my youth, uh, there were some, you know, you know my, my struggles in my childhood and my teenage years and some of the things I and I grew up with, family, this and that and the other, and I'll get into those things later on in different and later episodes of part-time struggle. But Miranda knows my history. And I think part of me not letting go of my youth is I felt like I missed out on a lot of my youth based on my conditions growing up. And I always was wanting to to capture some of that, that stuff, stuff that I missed in my, to my adulthood. And, and I finally realized that I won't be able to capture that. I just need to, to embrace adulthood, embrace this, you know, my current situation, as opposed to trying to relive something in the past that I didn't get an opportunity to do. So that was part of me letting go of my youth. And that was hard. It was, it was, it was kind of like you're, you're holding the hand of your younger self and you had to let it go and say, Hey, you know, we had a good journey, but I got to do this part of my life now. And it was it was somewhat sad. Like I, I uh, it was hard letting go of my youth. So that was part of the reason that led me to part time struggle, too. And and a part of the reason I started researching midlife crisis. Well, that was one reason. The other reason I started researching midlife crisis is as I was bringing up part time struggle and what I was thinking about doing. You in your very kind way said something like do you think we're going through a midlife crisis? <laughs> Lumping yourself in with it, but I knew what you meant. You, you meant, <laughs> I think you're going, going through a midlife crisis. <laughs> right. So I started doing a little bit of research on what a midlife crisis was, and I'd always thought a midlife crisis was when, and, oh, it, it, and it's portrayed in Hollywood this way, is when a guy, maybe my age, maybe a little bit older, you know, he typically has gray hair, he will he will buy a red sports car or a motorcycle and he will leave his wife for a younger, younger female. That's what, how Hollywood portrays the midlife crisis. So I automatically had a negative, you know, perspective on midlife crisis just because of that, because I'm not doing any of that, but it's probably, there's probably some truth in it too. So uh, upon my research, I did find that, the term midlife crisis was first coined in 1957 by a physician, a Canadian physician um, named Elliot Jaquez. And I'm probably pronouncing that wrong because, <laughs> as you know, I pronounce words wrong all the time. Can I help you with that one? Yes, it's J-A-Q-U-E-S. Jacques. Jacques. <laughs> What's some other words that I've mispronounced? Let's go ahead um, and just, just throw them out there. Well, in this podcast so far, it was pessimistic <laughs> man so i've already i've already i've already, already <laughs> have mispronounced words already this right off the rip okay good 
Keep keep them coming. What else we got? What no, else? I think that's all so far, but I'll, I'll let no, you no, know. No, no, no. I want to know, well, you've lived with me for, <laughs> I don't know, feels like 15, 16 years now. Yeah. So what's some other words that I just butcher on um, a daily basis? Golly, I wish I'd been prepared for this because <laughs> I could have been writing them down. Um, there are a lot of things. I don't know. Oh, um, you have Raynaud's disease and you call it rhinoids yeah. and it bothers me so bad yeah so Raynaud's disease is where um you have circulation issues and when it when it don't even have to be necessarily cold outside but my body it's an autoimmune deficiency my, my body perceives just a slight bit of cold as extreme cold and the all the blood in my body will start rushing toward my vital organs because my brain is like, hey, we need to keep this guy alive. It's cold out there. And so my hands and feet and any extremity will start becoming extremely cold, numb. It'll have that, get that tingling feeling. Like even my fingers and stuff will start turning white. And and forever, I've, I've pronounced it. I've mispronounced it. I've always called it rhinoids, rhinoids which I think is me um, combining a rhinoceros and hemorrhoids. So... <laughs> So, so there's that. So gross. So what's this gentleman's name again? Elliot Jock? Jock. Elliot Jock. So he said people in their mid-30s typically experience a depressive period lasting several years. Um, in his study of, of ordinary people, Jock stated that people could have a religious awakening um, or, or a sudden inability to enjoy life, and that could be considered a compulsive attempt to remain young. And, you know, as I was writing this, I was like, yeah, this this kind of describes me. After my research, after I kind of went through what a midlife crisis is, it doesn't necessarily have to be buying a red sports car or a motorcycle. It doesn't necessarily have to be about leaving your wife. It could just be, it could just be, you know, just pivoting later in life. And that's what I feel like I'm doing. I'm pivoting. I'm 38 and I'm, I'm pivoting from what I was doing the past 10 years to something new and my something new is now part-time struggle this might last another month or it might last three years i don't know it depends we'll see where it goes if i'm still enjoying it if i'm still having fun um but yeah when you first brought it up i was a little offended i was like how dare you woman i'm just a dude talking about my mental health and here you are attacking me with some midlife crisis stuff so I kind of like what Dr. Khan said about uh, midlife crisis when we talked to him about it. He was saying that, you know, we were asking, is it something that people our age go through? And he said, absolutely, that, you know, midlife crisis are happening sooner now. And um, he also mentioned, and I think that this is somewhat accurate, that it's people in middle to higher income households that basically have the luxury of a midlife crisis right. versus you know, yeah. people who are struggling or in a poor household. They're not necessarily going through a midlife crisis because if you're stuck in a dead-end job but you are living paycheck to paycheck, you're going to just stay in that job. Or you know, if, if separating from your spouse is going to cause you to lose your house or lose your well-being, then you just stay with that spouse. But it's the people who are in a higher income bracket, basically, who have the luxury of like, oh, I'm bored with my life. Let's shake it up and do something crazy like a podcast or <laughs> an affair. One of the things that through the research of midlife crisis, one of the things I read that I liked was um, 
it said that people that are going through maybe going through a midlife crisis, they, they have stopped competing with others and started connecting with others. And I like that. That's that's kind of how I do feel like for a long time in my life. I felt like I was competing with my peers or this person or that person. I felt like I was always trying to one up or do better that better, bigger, better, faster, stronger mentality that I had, my ego had. Um, but reading that, that made me feel like, okay, yeah, this is right. This is, this is, this is kind of how I feel now. I'm, I'm, mm-hmm. Instead of competing with everyone, I'm trying to connect with everyone and, and share my experience with them in hopes that they can hear my experiences, read my experiences, and maybe somehow apply that to their lives to make better changes in their lives. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was a positive from from the research I found of midlife crisis. That was a positive, and and in the research I found of midlife crisis is that it's definitely not a a medical condition. You can't go to your doctor and say, "Hey, I just left my wife and I got bought a red sports car," and he or she goes, "Oh, you're going through a midlife crisis. Let me give you these drugs and you do this, follow this plan, and you'll be cured of your midlife crisis." It's not something that a doctor can can necessarily. Um, um, diagnose you with so it's, it's definitely like you mentioned or Dr. Khan mentioned it's something that what, what do you say middle class upper middle class family that has right. the luxury of of having a midlife crisis right or doing something about discontent well I can tell you from our experiences that we've had uh, you know with the friends that we have around us mm-hmm. right now yeah that it is more affecting the men but you know we have also seen within the last few years um you know female friends to carry on with affairs and yeah you know leaving their spouse and you know i guess it's not affecting the women around us at the same rate necessarily mm-hmm. that it's affecting the guys around us but it's it is a thing it is happening yeah uh, <laughs> From my perspective, I think uh, a female going through a midlife crisis, it would probably be more like them gaining independence from their their spouse. Mm-hmm. Like if they felt like when they were married to their spouse, their spouse might not let them, not have con- had control over them and didn't let them do this or that for whatever reason. And females are like, you know what, screw that. This is my life. I'm going to take control of it now. That would be kind of the perspective from, from a female where as a male – a male might reminisce on stuff that he may have missed out on in his past or yeah. or whatever. But at the same time, you know, my, my thoughts on a guy buying a motorcycle or a red sports car in his later years is probably, hell, he has the money at that point in his life. Right. You know, he might have wanted a red sports car or a motorcycle at 24, but he was making minimum wage. And now he's in his 50s making good money and he can afford that thing now. So, right. If I see an older guy with a red sports car or motorcycle, and I'm using all of this as 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 a, a figurative, um, I don't necessarily feel like, oh, he's going through a midlife crisis. I'm like, hey, that dude, he, he can afford those things in his life now. Good for him. Oh, so, yeah. I mean, I'm not hating on anybody that's changing their discontent to find out what they want or what they love or finding new hobbies. These are all productive ways to handle a midlife crisis these are all you know positive ways of moving forward i'm not i'm not hating on anybody in a red sports car or anything like that i guess that's not that's not where i was coming from with that so 
what what did how did you view a midlife crisis before I kind of started researching it and talking to you about it? What was your perspective on it? You know, I don't have a lot of experience with it. Um, you are the first 38-year-old that I've ever been married to. What? My dad did not really have anything like that. Um, his experience when he was our age, and he was certainly at or, at or around our, you know, tax bracket or whatever, it just, it just didn't occur to him really. I think that he's – some of my um, optimism – comes from him he just is happy in life I think that he has always from the get-go been who he is he loves his horses he loves his flowers and he's always from the get-go had those things I would say if he had had a life where he felt like he was suppressed from what he loved yeah then maybe he would have gone through that at right. our age or older yeah um, but I just never really saw any of that so I guess my experience with a midlife crisis was similar to yours, what we'd seen in movies, in movies and yeah. then just watching over the last few years, the families around us going through these mm -hmm. circumstances that were built around um, what seemed to be some type of midlife crisis or something else, major mental episode yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Um, kind of, I, kind of the same for me. I, I, I took my cues for midlife crisis from movies. So that, whatever a, a movie or a TV show portrayed it as, that's what I thought it was. But after yeah. doing the research, I realized it's, it, it can be a positive, not a negative. Hollywood's turned it into definitely a, more of a negative. Like, uh, let's laugh at that guy yeah. as opposed to, hey, he, he might be better than himself. He might be doing something good, yeah. which is what I'm trying to do here. Um, so now that I've been about two months into part-time struggle, what have what you kind of told me your initial thoughts when I first started talking about it and doing it? Now that I'm two months, almost three months into it now, has any of those thoughts changed? Have you? What What are your thoughts now? I mean, I've enjoyed listening to all of it. I think that you're doing a great job. I like it. Mm -hmm. I'm glad that you're doing this. I'm glad that you're reaching out to um, healthcare providers to come on and talk about yep. mental health. I think it's an an easy thing to talk to other people about. Um, when you talk about mental health with other people, you think that you're going to get one response, but we keep finding time after time that when you tell somebody, oh, I'm doing this blog about mental health, like people really want to talk about it. Yeah. They really want to connect. They all have a story. Either they or somebody that they love have been through some type of anxiety or depression or mm -hmm. even, you know, more serious things. Sure. And so um, I think that that's really neat. And like you said, if you're, if your midlife crisis is putting you in a place where you're connecting with other people, mm -hmm. I think that that's the right direction to go. And I've, I've seen that already, even just in scenarios that can be kind of intimidating, you reaching out and saying, Hey, I'm doing this blog. I'm doing this podcast. I just think that that's, it's great. I think it's brave. I think that I'm really proud that you're putting this together and that you're reaching out to people with it. Well, thank you. Um, is it cringy? Do you think it's cringy? Um, there are little bits of it 
am I allowed to just yeah okay. just just rate me over the coals here <laughs> no, I don't want to do that no, no I want you this is what this is about it's about, the, it's say... about the rawness it's about the rawness <laughs> and the the this is this is what I want this podcast to be I, I want it to be about the raw the let's just throw it all out there this is what it's about 95 percent of it is absolutely not cringy I like that you are doing research and that there's something in there that's factual mm -hmm. that people didn't already know I like that you're telling people about the different types of medication that they can take and you know the facts about what exercise does for your brain that kind of stuff mm -hmm. is so yeah. absolutely not cringy it's so helpful the only thing uh, occasionally the mispronunciation and it's funny <laughs> oh, and that's like, that's just going to be a part of it i can't I I, i'll try to work on getting better at that but man that is that is definitely my weakness i like i like that though like it's not it's cringy but it's part of just being human yep and then um occasionally it's a little bit repetitive and that will get a little bit cringy when it's like the same few things over and yep. over again but you know maybe with some editing that can all mm -hmm. but 95 percent of it is so good it's not cringy i like it but i mean i'm biased i i know a little bit more about your mental health journey than most people yeah well probably everybody yeah um and so i've enjoyed listening to it i like it good and any friends out there that are listening to this if let me know. Let me know what if it comes off cringy. Give me advice. <laughs> what can I do better? What would you like to hear? This is this is this isn't a me thing. This is a we thing, and that's what I want to try to continuously say. This is this is about us, not about me. So friends, family, whoever's listening to this, that one person that happened to somehow stumble upon this and is trying to get out of listening to this, let me know what I can do differently. Um, I want I want to get better. I want to constantly get better. If, if I didn't start part-time struggle, would I listen to a podcast, listen to some dude rambling on about his mental health issues? Would I listen to that and try to take advice from it? And the answer I came to is no. And that's just because I'm really not, I was, I'm not a podcast guy. Like I, I probably listened to six podcasts in my life. Right. It's just when, and whenever there's a space for me to put headphones on and listen to something, it's going to be music. 99.9% .9 of the time is so I don't think I would be a guy that would listen to someone else talk about them their lives and what they could do to improve but what I'm doing might not exist that that there might be a a, a need for this out there that I'm, I'm unaware of so that's why I'm doing it and I'm going to keep doing it until I'm not having fun anymore um, so would you like, is this something, if I wasn't doing it, would you potentially listen to if a peer or a friend or a stranger was talking just very raw, talking about their mental health issues, and you were looking for maybe um, some direction or guidance or to not feel alone? Is this, is this something that you could see yourself sitting down and listening to to try to improve? I think I would be a lot more likely to read your blogs than to listen to the podcast. A lot of times your blogs and podcasts kind of overlap. Mm -hmm. And so I'm a lot more likely to click into and read an article or something like that than to listen to something. So you, you're more of a reader than a listener. And that's, and that's kind of the, <clears throat> the, the, the struggle I'm on is like, do I, do I do more content in with print or do I do more content with vocal? And I, I don't know. And I'm a, I try both. to keep a half and half. Yeah, yeah, I think both because that way you would reach 
people who are both um, types of consumers. I don't think it's a bad thing that you're doing both. Yeah. So recently I did a six-part series on the different things I've done in my life over the past, I want to say five, six, seven years to, to better myself. And it's been a slow burn. It wasn't something that happened overnight. And those six things were accountability, journaling, exercise, medication, counseling, and just talking slash communication. From your point of view, which of those ha- do you think has benefited me the most? Um, I would say it would be a combination of journaling and communication and um i've just seen huge leaps for you in both of those areas Mm -hmm. just being able to write things out before you say it is really helpful for you i think it helps you to gather your thoughts and to come to conclusions kind of on your own and then um you know just over the last few years really over the last six months there have been so many leaps as far as communication goes and you know figuring out how to communicate with me what's going on yeah with you mentally yeah that's definitely where, where i've failed in the past is communicate i because of my and i don't want to blame everything on my childhood my upbringing but a lot does come back to that when i was coming up uh my family and i never talked about really any issues <laughs> not not mental health things not not uh, discrepancies not arguing it would just be ignore it and it'll go away so that's that's how I learned how to deal with confrontation. Ignore it and it'll go away. And that is 1,000% not the proper way. So it's only been until recently that I had to push that ego aside because it was my ego telling me, hey, you're right. She's wrong. So I had to finally push my ego aside and, and really look and go, oh, crap. You know, I am wrong. I, I, I need to normalize saying I'm sorry. I need to normalize saying I was wrong and, and you know, talking to you as, as, as and communicating with you. Okay. I'm going through this issue today, or I'm, I'm doing this today. Here's what's going on in my head. It's not you. It's me. Um, that's, yeah, that's been a, a big part of <clears throat> me bettering myself. Um, so do you think as adults, we, we put unneeded pressure on ourselves? I mean, some people do mm-hmm. for me. I don't, I have a lot of pressure on myself to, to do everything right. But I don't feel so pressured that I'm unhappy. Yeah. It's about having that pressure on yourself to do what's right and to do well at things without it being so overwhelming in your life that it makes you miserable. And that's something I think that I struggle with Avery about is that I want her to want to do well, but sometimes I think she puts so much pressure on herself that she makes herself miserable. Mm -hmm. Second place is not okay. Yeah. Not in sports, not in school. Yeah. Um, A B or a C on a test is the end of the world for her. And that's really scary to me because I don't want her to be miserable as an adult every time that some, that there's a setback or that she doesn't do perfectly at something. I just don't want to pass that anxiety that you and I both have down to her. I want right. her to be happy and just, you know, live life to the fullest and enjoy the moment. And those things that I see her sometimes struggling with because she puts a lot of pressure on herself. And I think that she perceives that that pe- pressure sometimes is coming from us. Mm-hmm. Um, even though we keep telling her, Hey, a B is fine. Like yeah. you can, as long as you're doing your best, we're happy with that. That's a huge concern for me. Um, but back to your question about adults, mm-hmm. I guess it's it depends on how you view that pressure. 
it depends on if it's if it is affecting your mental health then you need to back away from it and if it's if you're able to live life you know and still be happy even with whatever pressure you put on yourself i don't think it's necessarily a bad thing yeah yeah and i i I used to put pressure on myself and it was a bad thing. Like I would always want that bigger, better, faster, stronger mentality. And, and that ended up getting the best of me. And I just, I couldn't, I couldn't keep like one up in myself. I kept trying to one up myself and you can, right. there's only some, there's only a limitation to that. Right. And it finally just starts beating you up and, and weighing you down. So what, what, what are some of the struggles you have of being a mom, a wife and a teacher? Um, you are a Spanish teacher at a local school here in Florence. What, what are some of the struggles you have? Like day you know, to, just day to day. Any struggles? Any struggles? Yeah. Like pertaining to midlife crisis? For just, just in general, just any struggles you have. Hmm. Um, I do struggle with when I put a lot of pressure on myself at work to do everything well, and then if something goes badly there, I have a hard time sometimes bouncing back from that mentally. Mm-hmm. Um, especially pertaining to, I want to be the best teacher and I want to be the best like role model for the kids. So if there's a stumble there, then I have a hard time, um, I guess forgiving myself or cutting myself any slack for that. Same thing, I guess, with parenting when I have like, let's say we're leaving late to get to school or something like that. And I left something inside. I beat myself up over I guess little things like that, yeah, and um, struggle. I guess to rebound from those things. I got you. Oh, and what do you do to help with your struggles? Are there any methods you go through? Or um, so I think mine are kind of tied to my anxiety. Like my anxiety is one that is really tied up in my pride of, mm-hmm. um, you know, just being perfect all the time. Um, so one of my coping mechanisms truly is that. I make sure to give myself time every day, um, whether it is laying on the couch or my happy place is my hammock on the back porch yeah. um, with my AirPods in or going for a run or just having some time that is cut out just for me. I think that that helps me to like unpackage whatever it is that's going on and move forward. Gotcha. Yeah. One of the things I've done recently to to help with with my the pressure I put on myself is just just do my best every day. And sometimes my best is a hundred percent, and sometimes my best is seventy percent. But on the days that I only can give seventy percent, I don't try to overtax myself and give a hundred percent because that's what I used to do. Every day was trying to give a hundred percent, and that caught up with me eventually. Like some days, right. some days you're just at sixty, seventy, eighty percent. And that that's as good as you can do that day. Mm-hmm. Don't try to don't try to don't try to one up yourself. Right. Um, that will eventually wear you down and beat you up. And that's what I used to do. Every day I was at a hundred percent and that's just unsustainable over time. So I just try to do my best every day. Whatever my best is that day, that's what I'm gonna give to my job. That's what I'm gonna give to the world. And and that has helped me with the, the pressure that I put on myself, mm-hmm. um, mentally really. So is there anything you want to close with with midlife crisis? Anything? Um, well, I'm thankful that you have chosen to go on a positive path with your <laughs> midlife crisis. I think, you know, other things that people could do with their midlife crisis if they're, like, discontent in their life is to do something about it. You know, if you are discontent with your relationship with your kids and you're 
mid to late 30s or mid to late 40s even you know put your phone down and go spend time with them and you know make a point to go on dates with your kids and take them to go do fun things if you're discontent in your marriage do something about it again make a point to go on dates with your spouse yeah. and find things to love about them instead of you know looking outside of your marriage for other things if you can find something positive to do to give back to your community um, a midlife crisis doesn't have to be a negative thing it's okay to be discontent in your life and do something about yeah. it um, but just kind of keep it positive and um, head in the right direction I'm not telling you to stay with a toxic spouse or right. somebody of who's course. abusive of to course. you. Yeah. But if you have a loving spouse that's been by your side for all this time, like find something to love about them and take them on a date. Go do dance lessons. Go do cooking lessons. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it doesn't have to be a negative thing. And, you know, if it's happening earlier and earlier and, it, and it's literally happening to everyone around us, yeah. um, you know, you have to do something about it and be proactive because otherwise, you know, you're, you could do things that you're going to regret later on. Right. That you're going to go, what did I do? Uh, I've, you know, messed up my family. And, yeah. And here we are 10 years later, and I realized what I had. Yeah. Um, that's one thing we've started doing recently is just going on more dates. Uh, Miranda and I, we don't really have a built-in, like, babysitting system here with us. Uh, both my parents have passed. Miranda's people lives about three hours away, so we don't have that built-in grandparent that we can just drop Avery off with. But um, Avery does play soccer, so when she goes to soccer practices on Tuesday and Thursdays, we take that time to reconnect. We'll go out, we'll go on a date, which we we struggled to do in the past because we just, you know, just you and I. It would some, it would be always be you, me, or Avery. But I've enjoyed, you know, going on the dates. Um, uh, with you and, and just you and I and re- reconnect and talk about our day, talk about what's going on in our lives. That's been very nice. And you make it, you made a good point about don't do, don't, don't do something today that, that could, because of something you regret in your past. And I wrote a, a quick blurb about this on the blogs. I said, don't make mistakes today that you'll regret in the future, trying to overcome the regrets of your past. You're just repeating history at that point. But thank you for being on here with me today. Uh, I'm, I want you back for another episode if, if you will come back on, <laughs> okay, if you agree that. to come back on. And in that episode, I want to talk to you. It's probably a little, this was a little more lighthearted, but uh, a little more seriousness on the next episode would be what it's like living with someone with a mental illness. And we can go over different scenarios that, that you have seen from me, different episodes from me, just to, just to give someone an insight into what it's like living with someone with a mental illness. And I can give it from my point of view. You can give it from your point of view, and I think that will be very beneficial. Yeah. Um, I've done some research on it, and I've, I've, I've got a blog going on it, and and that's something that, that I think other people would like to hear, that A, they're not alone. This is common. Yeah. And then B, what I've done, what we've done, because it's a team, uh, to to overcome some of those flaws. And I was very flawed in the past in poor communication. I would never, you know, whenever I would get my depressive episodes, I would just, I wouldn't let you in on what was going on. I might even have taken it out on you, you know, just being aggravated or, or being short with you. But over time, I have learned to to work with that. and And we have communicated, okay, 
this is what you want. This is what I want. When that when that happens, how can we come to an agreement on this? And we'll we'll go over all those methods in the next episode. But thank you, thank you again for coming on today. This has been a, a pleasure. Uh, I haven't. It, it's always more interesting talking to someone as opposed to talking to the wall, which right. I typically do in here yes. by myself. I just talk to the wall and to the window. But thank you. Um, I appreciate it. I appreciate your honesty with me and and tell me about my cringiness. <laughs> I'll work on that. As much as I can, but I'm not going to let it deter me. And in, in a previous episode I put out, I, I, I said, hey, look, I don't do words very well. Uh, I, I, I don't pronounce words very well. I may stumble over words. And hell, my voice, now that I listen to my voice over and over again, it sounds like a normal voice. Just slow down a touch and you add some slur to it. That's what my voice sounds like to me. So, but it's not going to stop me from my message. And my message is... Uh, I want to normalize talking about mental health issues and just the overall struggles and the not so pretty side of life that we have. We all have. And I I want to to normalize that because we need to talk about it. We don't need to hold it all in. If we hold it all in, that just leads to to further and further uh, complications and issues. Yeah. But again, thank you. I love you. (laughs) Love you too. Anything else you want to say before we close? I think I'm good. Thank you guys for listening. Uh, I hope you found something from this episode that you can apply to your life. If you want to reach out to me, I can be found at contact at parttimestruggle.com or www.parttimestruggle.com. Take care. Goodbye.